going? How we doing? We doing all right? All right. Well, if we haven't had the opportunity to meet, my name is Nate. Uh, I have the honor of serving as one of the pastors here at Revolution, and I am so glad that you are here this morning. Like Joby said, you, you braved Snowmageddon 2022. Give yourselves a hand for just getting here this morning, all right? And hey, if you're watching online, we're so excited you're uh, here. You've hopped on with us. My buddy Matt, our Connections Pastor, is going to be uh, chatting with you in the in the in the chat. Duh. So uh, make sure you connect with him. Uh, let us know you're watching. We, we're glad to have you. And I'm excited you're here today because we're starting this brand new series. Joby just talked about it called Come to the Table. And, and this is going to be a great series. We're going to talk about how we can practically live out the mission of helping people find Jesus and live like him. And, and I really, I'm excited for this because I think that as we dive into this over the course of February, this is going to be a defining moment for our church. It's going to be a month that Revolution looks back on in the coming months and even years as a time where we took a big step forward in our mission of how we help people find Jesus and live like him. And so I'm so glad you're here today. Join us all month. Next week is going to be super great. Uh, I know it's Super Bowl Sunday, so we're going to have a tailgate party out in the lobby. So there's another reason to come and just have a little bit of fun hanging out. Uh, but it's going to be a great series uh, as we jump in. But, but hey, before we go any further, I would like to invite my friends Adam and Patty Morrow to come on up. Would you guys come up real quick? Uh, yeah, give it up for them. <laughs> We're going to start doing this kind of regularly. We just want to highlight some people who serve on teams here at Revolution. We call it our volunteer spotlight. So Adam and Patty uh, lead our cafe team. Um, making sure that you get coffee, uh, donuts, iced coffee, hot coffee, all kinds of coffee. It's, it's incredible how many coffees there are. I'm not a coffee connoisseur, but, um, and, and you may have also seen uh, Adam this week was recognized as the Logansport Police Officer of the Year for 2021, which is incredible. Um, yeah, I just, I wanted to thank you guys. I will give everyone an opportunity to meet Adam and Patty. They're incredible people. Uh, and just that you, you guys serve faithfully week in, week out. So thank you for what you do. Uh, and let's, let's just express our thanks one more time for my friends here. Thanks guys. Thank you. And hey, if you're interested in serving on the cafe team, I'm sure Adam and Patty would love to talk to you. Uh, you can text CONNECT to that number, 574-498-2233. A little form will pop up, and one of the options is join a serve team. Hit that this week, and I'll connect you with Adam and Patty, because uh, I know they'd love to uh, connect with you and get you plugged in. All right. You excited? I'm excited, y'all. It's a new year. I mean, January happened, but that January doesn't count. It's a new year. Exciting things are happening. God is moving in Logansport, Indiana, and beyond. Let's pray together. God, I thank you for Adam and Patty. God, I thank you for all who serve around Revolution as part of the mission of helping people find you and living more and more like you. So God, as we dive into this talk, would you just, uh, would you speak your truth through me? Uh, may the words we hear be from your, uh, your heart, not my own. Uh, and God, we thank you for how you're moving, how you're going to... Uh, moving hearts today across the world as the church meets uh, to sing praise and give honor to who you are, Jesus. Amen. So when I was a teenager, um, the church that I went to had a thriving student group of like middle school, high school kids. We called it youth group back in the day. Our youth group was awesome and, and we did lots of things together. We did at least once a month some sort of big serve opportunity where we would go out into the community and, and serve our community. And then once a year, and we all looked forward to this, once a year in the summer, we took a big trip to somewhere else in the nation. We called it a mission trip. 
And so we go on our mission trip to, to somewhere, to Atlanta or Los Angeles, or we went to like uh, Arkadelphia, Arkansas, which I didn't even know that was a place until we went there. But it's a place, y'all. So we go on these mission trips, and we all look forward to them every year because it was a great time of hanging out and serving together. We'd always have some sort of big project we would do. Uh, for example, like we might put a roof on a house um, for like an elderly person in the ch- local church of that community, or maybe help do some renovations uh, for, for someone. And, and oftentimes the places we went were either lower income communities, or sometimes they were spots where like refugees had kind of all gathered in one area. And so we go into these areas, we do a project, and then we'd also do something called Vacation Bible School. Did anyone grow up in church and remember Vacation Bible School? All right, we got a few hands, all right. Uh, Vacation Bible School was like this summer week-long day program where you'd come, just like going to school, but it was at church, and you'd hear all about Jesus and God and and the, you know, the good news of the gospel, and we'd talk about the Bible, we'd have memory verses, that kind of stuff. So we'd go into these, uh, these neighborhoods, and we'd do like a big carnival night, a big fun party, invite the whole neighborhood to come to this party, and then we'd invite all the kids to come back the next day for vacation Bible school. And so we'd go into these neighborhoods and do all this stuff, and, and it was awesome. And, and growing up, I was like, this is it. Like, I've arrived. I've figured out how to accomplish the mission of Jesus. I figured out how to do it. And, and just to give you a little bit of uh, clarity into to, to what this really looked like, here's a picture of me from these days. It is something really special. Uh, yeah, I think I'm jowling there. I don't know if you've ever heard of jowling. It's when you like loosen your cheeks and you go <laughs> like that. So on these trips, we might have a lot of downtime, like as we drove for hours in our old church buses to these places or whatever. So we'd have, you know, we'd do dumb things to fill the time, like jowling competitions. <laughs> um, but, but again, like growing up, I, figured, I thought like this is, what, this is what it meant to be the church. This, is, this was evangelism evangelism. And maybe you've heard that word, maybe you haven't. Uh, if you grew up in the church or have a, a background with the church, you know, it's a word that we don't use often, but you may have heard. And, and, and I wonder if you do kind of know what it is, what, what comes into your mind when you think about evangelism? Uh, for me, one of the things I think about was, is Billy Graham and the, his legendary gospel crusades. Uh, growing up, when I used to visit my grandparents, Papa and Nanny, we called them, I remember sitting in Papa and Nanny's living room listening to Billy Graham on the radio. It was a big deal. Um, or maybe, maybe your church, if, if you grew up in a church, maybe they supported missionaries. And so you think about missionaries when you hear the word evangelism. In that same living room <laughs> uh, at Papa and Nanny's house in the kitchen, which is attached, it was one big room, uh, on, the, on the refrigerator there was this big map and it was a map of the whole world flattened out. And on this map were all these pictures of people that I had never met in my entire life. And next to their pictures were names of countries that I'd never heard of and still have never heard of in my entire life. But these were missionaries that their church supported and that they prayed for. Um, you know, maybe when you think about evangelism, you think of like Joel Olstein or Stephen Furtick or Craig Rochelle, one of the, the famous preachers we have these days and the preacher sneakers they wear. <laughs> But if you're unfamiliar with that term, evangelism, it's just a word that means spreading the gospel. Spreading the gospel or the good news of Jesus. To put it even more simply, evangelism is helping people find Jesus and live like him. It's the mission that has been set before us, before Revolution Church. And this mission isn't one that we just dreamt up out of nowhere. It's, it's not just a catchy phrase. This, this mission is something that Jesus himself gave us 
during his time on earth before he left, um, he gives us this final set of commands, of command, uh, this final commandment before he ascends into heaven. And we call it the Great Commission. Uh, you can find it in your Bibles in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. You can open that up now or we're gonna have it on the screen as well. But the verse says, therefore, go. And I've highlighted go. We're gonna come back to that in a second. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Go and make disciples. Go and make followers of Jesus. And that, that word go, I highlighted because I think sometimes the go of that sentence can be what actually can color our interpretation of what evangelism is. It can color our interpretation of what the mission of Jesus is. Like, go, it sounds like in that statement is a command. It's not a, it's not a request. It's like, no, 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 go now, do this. And so I know at least for me growing up, I was like, okay, I can be a part of the mission if I'm willing to like pack up and go somewhere, right? Go on a mission trip. Go be a missionary to some African tribal village or go deliver Bibles to the Amazonian jungle. I, I don't know, whatever that is. But here's what's really interesting. The, uh, the New Testament where this, this is found, Matthew's part of the New Testament. The New Testament was written Koine Greek, uh, the language that was most widely spoken and read at the time. And the original Greek translation of this sentence actually doesn't put it quite this way. I'm gonna throw a picture up on the screen. Uh, this is called an interlinear translation. Um, the Bible, uh, it, sorry, interlinear translation is a fancy way of saying it's a word for word translation. They take one word, they translate that word, they put it on paper, they go to the next word. Your Bible, um, is translated slightly different. When, when translators work to translate the whole Bible or sections of the Bible, they try to translate the idea of the phrase, of the context. Like there's a whole lot happening in a section. So they try to put that into words. And, and, and translators don't always agree on exactly what that should look like. Um, that's not why we have many different translations. But this interlinear translation is just a word for word translation of how it kind of lays out. And so look at this, because it, it's interesting. It doesn't say go. The first word says, having gone. Having gone, meaning it's past tense. That's, that's behind. I don't know why I did that, but <laughs> past tense. Having gone. I, I think if, if I was going to write this today in, in verbiage that we use today, I would maybe use the word being where you are. Being where you are, make disciples of all the nations. Being where you are, make disciples. Our call is to make disciples right where we are. For us, it's right here, small town, Indiana. Paul kind of puts it this way in, in this letter he writes to Rome uh, in the book of Romans, chapter 12, it says this. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Take your everyday life and use that to make disciples. Take your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, right where you all are in small town Indiana or wherever you are watching online and make disciples of everybody around you. And this is the idea, friends, that I would like for us to grab a hold of. This is the, 
the central idea of this series, and this idea is a core part of being a follower of Jesus, a core part of being a part of this movement called the church, this, this local movement called Revolution Church. The root of helping people find Jesus and live like him is in the everyday. And it's in this idea called hospitality. And uh, I found this really fancy definition online of hospitality. I'm going to read it to you. It's not even going to be on the screens because it's kind of a lot, but I'm going to read it to you. Hospitality is the offer to extend the privileges of community to those who do not have the standing to expect it, especially those who are vulnerable because they are strangers. We all got that locked in. I'm going to read it again. Hospitality is the offer to extend the privileges of community to those who do not have the standing to expect it, especially those who are vulnerable because they are strangers. More simply put, hospitality is this idea of treating outsiders like insiders. Outsiders who don't have the standing to expect to be a part of this special community of insiders. Because here's the thing, friends. We, the church, as followers of Jesus, we're insiders. In, uh, in 1 Peter, it says, uh, it calls us a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Friends, we're a part of the coolest club the earth has ever seen. We're insiders. We're seated at the banquet table well, we have a banquet table out in the lobby. We're seated at the banquet table of the Most High God. And dinner's looking pretty amazing, y'all. <laughs> We're insiders in this club. We have a seat at the table, and our call is to treat the outsiders like insiders, to invite them in and give them a seat at the table. The mission of Jesus, friends, is to treat outsiders like insiders treat outsiders like insiders. Our call as followers of Jesus is to be hospitable, to treat outsiders like insiders. And, and God showed us how to do this. Like, we do this because God first did it for us. In that same letter to the church at Rome, Paul writes in Romans chapter 5, he says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. While we were still sinners. We were outsiders and God said, I'm going to treat you like insiders. And not only am I going to treat you like insiders, I'm going to make a way for you to become insiders. I'm going to send Jesus to die on the cross so that you guys can have a relationship with me, so you can have a seat at the table. He gave us the opportunity to become what Scripture says is holy and blameless in the eyes of God. How incredible, friends. He said, here's my table. Come, come and sit with me. Come and dine with me. Jesus exemplifies this while he's on earth. As, as we read through the Gospels in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, um, which tell us the story of Jesus' time on earth, we see exactly how Jesus spent the majority of his time. He, he didn't spend most of his time by preaching or teaching to large crowds. He did that some, but that's not how he spent the majority of his time. He also didn't spend a lot of time inviting people to come with him to church or to temple, whatever. <laughs> he didn't do that at all. <laughs> No, Jesus made disciples by hanging out with his friends, by spending time with people, by going community to community. 
And what's even more interesting is who he chose to be his friends. In, in Matthew chapter four, I'm not gonna read it, but you can look at that this week. Uh, Matthew chapter four talks about Jesus going to call the disciples. And he didn't, again, he didn't go to some local temple and find some like religious students who knew the Bible or knew the Old Testament and, and recruit them to be his followers. No, he goes and finds some fishermen, <laughs> some blue collar workers, some guys over at the local Tyson plant might be where he would start today. He goes and finds a tax collector named Matthew. He gets a politician of all people. I mean, come on, y'all. Simon the Zealot, he was known. Today we might call him Simon the Revolutionary. He even goes and finds a thief, and he puts that thief in charge of all the money for the group. He goes and finds these people and he makes them his disciples. He treats them not as random people, but as scholarly students worthy of following him. He treats these outsiders like insiders. He extends the privilege of a very particular and special community, people following Jesus for the first time. And he extends it to these people who did not have the standing to expect it. He didn't treat them like strangers, but, but like friends, not like outsiders but like insiders. In another letter he wrote to another church, Paul writes to the church of uh, Ephesus in Ephesians, and he puts it this way in Ephesians chapter two. Christ brought us together through his death on the cross. The cross got us to embrace, and that was the end of hostility. Christ came and preached peace to you outsiders and peace to us insiders. He treated us as equals and so made us equals. Through him, we both share the same spirit and have equal access to the Father. That's plain enough, isn't it? <laughs> You're no longer wandering exiles. The kingdom of faith is now your home country. You're no longer strangers or outsiders. Now you belong here with as much right to the name Christian as anyone. You belong here at the banquet table of the Most High God. There's a special spot set aside just for you. You see, God doesn't look at us and see wealthy or poor. He doesn't see white or black, Caucasian or Hispanic, leader or follower. God looks down and he sees us as his children. And there's room at the table for all of his children. Colossians 3.11 says, in this new life, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us. This is really big, friends, so, so lean in for a moment if I've lost you. Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. If I had to rewrite this verse, the, uh, the Nate Scott modern paraphrase would say this. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you're vaxxed or unvaxxed, masked or unmasked, progressive or conservative, affluent or an influencer. Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. Christ is all that matters. Friends, when we follow Jesus, nothing else matters more than his lordship over our life. To follow his commandments, and his command is to treat outsiders like insiders. To invite them to the table and, and pull out a chair and say, hey, come sit with me. Come dine with me. This is how we help people find Jesus and live like him, friends, by inviting them to the table. In 1 Peter 4, P 
Peter tells us, most important of all, continue to show deep love for one another, for love covers a multitude of sins. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. Practice hospitality every single day. Man, take time to connect with the people around you. What, what would it look like if we, if we just took a little bit more time in our day to love on people? To, to invite a family or, or a friend over for dinner and get to know them and play a board game with them, have some fun. To, to invite that friend that you know that's maybe having a bad week out for coffee and to say, hey, how, how are you really doing? How can I pray for you today? How can I encourage you today? Maybe it's even just simple as talking to your waiter or waitress, finding out a little bit about them. Man, I, I dare you to do something. I dare you to go out to eat and ask if you could pray for your waiter or waitress right then, and then do it. <laughs> they might freak out a little bit, but that's okay. They'll be even more encouraged. Friends, when we practice hospitality, when we treat outsiders like insiders, God works in crazy ways to write his story on our lives and on the lives of other people. And I could tell you more about what that looks like, but instead I wanted to invite my friend Matt up. Come on up, Matt. Because when we practice treating outsiders like insiders, people's stories are changed. So give it up for my friend Matt Meat. Thank you. Is that on? I think so. So, so Matt, tell us a little bit about your story uh, and how you came to be where you're at right now. Um, I'm having trouble figuring out a place to start, so I'm just going to go for it. Go for it, buddy. If I go over my time frame, somebody play the wrap-up music so I know. Uh, okay, so um, my whole life I've been, I've, I've had like huge anxiety issues and, and just been like crippled with fear with certain things. And uh, just as long as I can remember, you can ask Alyssa. She's always like, why are you so anxious all the time? You need to chill out. You need something. You need to take something, <laughs> you know, or something. Anyway. So my whole life I've been like that. Um, I think this is what started it. So um, uh, I turned into my, my late teens, into 20s, and uh, I had a guy that I worked with, and he, he was always trying to give me lower tabs. And um, at first I was like, no, 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 no. Um, make a long story short, I finally took one one day, um, and the ball started rolling, and um, I couldn't stop. And it started with that. Um, and then... Um, through the years, it just got worse and worse. Um, every, every drug on earth you can think of. Um, before I knew it, I was introduced to um, the needle. So um, I was shooting up anything and everything I could fit into a rig, uh, any chance I got. And usually it was about four to six times a day. Um, the funny thing is with, with the drugs, it took my anxiety and fear completely away. I mean, I'm talking banished, gone. I was the person that, that I like. I know it sounds messed up, but I wanted to be because I, I felt normal. Uh, I always felt like an outsider my whole life, and this took it away. I yeah. felt like I could relate to people. I wanted to get, go up and talk to people. I felt like I was more efficient at work. I was a better friend. I was a better dad. I was, I was just better. It becomes I got easier up to, earlier. It becomes I, easier to be who you think people exactly. want you to be, to be um, an insider. Yeah, because I felt good. And, um, and so that, it started with that. Before I knew it, it was unmanageable. It took control of my life. Um, I lost every single thing I had. I had a great job at the time. Uh, lost my wife. Uh, uh, did jail time. I, I did. Uh, lost my, my, my home, my cars, everything. Uh, all my friends. Before I knew it, I was only hanging out with drug dealers and drug addicts. Um, and 
it was it just it kept getting worse and worse and worse it, it put me I kept trying to stop on my own and no matter what I did it, it didn't work um, I've been in about 22 different rehabs and that includes three-day detoxes six-month outpatient rehabs eight-month-long Christian-based rehabs uh, nine-month uh, a week-long ICU visits from ODing on fentanyl it was I mean for years, I've been in and out of rehabs. Yeah. And as, as a matter of fact, all my friends, you can ask them, like most of my stories are, hey, this one time in rehab, you know, because I got so many stories from rehab. So, so, you're, so you're, you're stuck in the cycle. Yeah, I, I couldn't get out. So I, at some time there, there hits a, a, like a breaking point. Mm-hmm. And I know that, bring, that brings you to Logansport. Yep. So tell us about that. Cool. So uh, it got to the end, um, finally hit my, one of my bottoms, my worst, I guess. And, uh, it was to the point where I was just, I could not stop crying. I was just constantly crying, 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 crying. I tried killing myself before that. That didn't work. Uh, so finally my mom lived up here. I was in this, I was in Florida and my mom lived up here and, uh, she kept saying, Matt, you gotta just leave, just come up here and live with me. You can live with me. There's this really cool hip church. You gotta try revolution. <laughs> and, and, uh, she always said that. And I, and I was just like, no, 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 I couldn't because I couldn't leave. I couldn't stop. And finally, it got to the point where I just, I, I, I ran all, through all my resources. I didn't have anywhere to stay. It was homeless. And I finally put my hands out and I was like, okay, fine. I'll do it. I have to. I don't have any other option. I, I just, I can't do this anymore. I was freaking out. So my dad drives me from Florida all the way up here and drops me off in February in 2015, <laughs> February 13th. And, uh, which is not far from, what is that? Seven from days? Today. Yeah, next Sunday. Like that. Anyway, so, um, Drops me off up here. Um, it was on Tuesday, I think, and uh, it was ice and snow everywhere. And, and my mom d- drove up to Revolution, to old Aaron's location. It was on a Tuesday in the middle of the day. I mean, who's going to be there? She was just showing me. I just so I noticed there was people in there walking around. So I walked in, and I'm just so desperate at this point. And uh, walked in, and Anthony was in there with Shauna, and I just immediately started busting out in tears <laughs> and told him why I'm here and what I need. And I, I'm just I'm ready to put my hands up and give it all to God this time, like for real, let God have the steering wheel. And they prayed, we prayed so hard and, um, I'll never forget it. And we were just all crying, all three of us and in, in there. And, and, uh, I'm telling you, I, from that day, I never had another trigger. I never had any more obsessions. I never had, I mean, it was all gone. My desire for drugs was totally mm. gone. I never even had withdrawals. That's incredible. And, uh, and I, I was doing drugs the day before I got up there, up here. So, uh, so, so you walk into a church. Yep. Not even on a Sunday. And <laughs> yeah, there's was, some people there, our friends like Anthony and Shauna. And, and, and so right there, that's, that's a moment where you're walking in. You don't know anyone. They don't know who you yeah. are. But, but they decided, hey, we're, gonna, we're not going to treat you like an outsider. Right. We're going to bring you in. We're going to talk to you. We're going to hear your story. Yep. And we're going to pray over you. Yep. That's what it was. And I've been here ever since. And it'll be seven years clean from drugs. Uh, <laughs> the 13th. So it was, I, don't, I, I can't explain it. Uh, it just all ended right then. Yeah. And, uh, so, but yeah, I, I was, I have always felt like an outsider my whole life. And I, I was completely untrustworthy. I mean, I lost all my friends. Nobody could trust me. Most of my family wrote me off. And I came up here and they just surrounded me with their arms. Everybody in the church did. And uh, everybody just welcomed me. And I even held some leadership roles at the church here and there with working with the kids and stuff. I mean, who does that? I'm an ex-drug <laughs> addict. But it was, it was awesome. I felt like I belonged here. Yeah. It, it changed everything. Uh, so, so one, I mean, basically one moment of treating an outsider like an insider completely changed your life. Mm-hmm. Is, I mean, is that? Absolutely. 
and, and, that was and a, ever that since. Was a huge part of it. <laughs> now, what I love about Matt is that he makes it a point to do this for himself now. He treats outsiders like insiders. You, uh, I mean, you serve on our host team. Uh, you've hosted a men's, a men's life group. Uh, you serve on our prayer team, praying over people, uh, doing incredible things. But you make it a point to, to treat outsiders like insiders. And that story is now continuing. His yep. story was, was rewritten through the, through the effect of hospitality and the power of Jesus. Yep. And now it's having a ripple effect. Absolutely incredible. Yep. Let's give it up cool. for my friend Matt one more time. Thanks. Matt, thanks, buddy. Absolutely incredible things when we practice hospitality. Incredible things happen when we practice treating outsiders like insiders, friends. And, and Matt, thank you again for, for coming up. When, when we share stories on the revolution stage, it's, it's not a way of saying, hey, look at this person. They've got it all figured out. They're Mr. Perfect. I don't have it all figured out. I'm far from it. But we share stories because we believe we're better together. And, and when we share our story, we know there's power in our story because others will connect with our story. So thanks again, Matt. Thanks for being brave with that, buddy. Friends, our call is to help people find Jesus and live like him, and that means hospitality. In Matthew 25, Jesus says this, talking to when, what it's going to look like when we arrive in heaven. He says, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father. Take your inheritance the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothing and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. And then the people he's talking to are like, Jesus, we didn't do any of that. What are you, what are you talking about? And he says in verse 40, truly I tell you, whatever you did, for one of these, least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Whatever you did for one of the least of these, my, my sons and my daughters, my you did for me, for Jesus. Guys, when we serve others, when we practice hospitality, we serve Jesus himself. Imagine one day, I, I don't know about y'all, but just imagine, close your eyes for a moment and imagine walking into glory, walking into heaven, and you walk up and the, the glory of God is shining so bright all around you. So bright. And, and you walk up to these gates. They're made of pearl because heaven's a bougie place, okay? But the gates open and Jesus walks out and he's got his arms open wide and he takes you in and, and he gives you the biggest bear hug. You know, like the kind when you were a little boy or a little girl that your mom or dad might give you. He gives you a hug like that and he says, buddy, you did it. You did it. You treated my friends just like you would have treated me. You, you loved on them. You, you fed them. You gave them respect and you showed them human decency. I'm so proud of you. I get choked up thinking about it, y'all. But that's what he says in these verses. Truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of my brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. Friends, our friend, our call is to serve, to treat outsiders like insiders, to invite them to the table. Sometimes literally invite them to your table, invite someone over to eat and love on them, get to know them, their story.
The challenge I give to you today is, is how can you practice treating outsiders like insiders in your life this week? And we're gonna dive more into this over the next three weeks. We're gonna look at practically how can we treat outsiders like insiders in three different, very uh, different ways, three very specific ways. So I hope you'll join us over these next three weeks. But how can I practice hospitality today? And friends, if, if you're like, I don't even know if I have a seat at the table. I don't know that I, I deserve a seat at the table. Friends, you have a seat at the table reserved for you. And if you haven't begun that journey of following Jesus, man, let me pull the chair open for you today because you belong here. You are an insider. In just a moment, our prayer room is going to open. We would love to pray with you, to talk with you about how you can take that step of following Jesus. And if you're watching online, you can text prayer to, to 574-498-2233 and one of our prayer leaders will reach out to you this week. We would love to pray with you and invite you to sit down with us at the table, the banquet table of the Most High God. Let's pray together, friends. God, I thank you for the honor of sitting at your banquet table. God, that you look at us and you don't see Weirdness. You don't, you don't see white or black, Caucasian or Hispanic. You don't see uh, the, the proud or the humble. You, you see your children. And yes, you've called us to live in certain ways, but, but regardless of that, you see us as your children. You tell us that you're patient with us, uh, wanting no one to perish, but you want everyone to have a relationship with you, God. You want everyone to have a seat at the table. So I thank you for that, God. If there's, if there's any among us who, who haven't taken their seat at the table, who haven't begun that relationship with you yet, God, would you give them boldness to do that today, to visit our prayer room and talk with one of our amazing prayer leaders, to come and talk to me after, God. And God, would you give the rest of us, those who are following you, that the ones who say, yes, we're followers of Jesus, would you give us boldness to practice hospitality today, to treat the outsiders around us like insiders, just like you did for us, to invite them to the table, God, to invite them into the tables of our homes and our local coffee shops, to encourage one another, God, to be better together. God, we love you. We love you so much. We thank you that we get to be your children. Amen.